Fly Podcast. I am Ro Hattie, coming at you from Treaty 7 Lands in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This is part two of a two-part series with Robert Monson. In part one, we got to know Robert, and we also learned a little bit about his book. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it in this episode here, but we're going to pick up the conversation from the last episode. Uh, just right away, jump right in and unpack some ideas of what it means to reimagine our faith in a new world. Hey, if you want to support this podcast because you think the ideas and all the guests are great, I'd love if you would check out rohattie.com, add yourself to the newsletter, find myself on social media, and you can also find Robert on social media He's mostly on Twitter, so you can find him. His Twitter handle is Robert J. Monson. So find him. Without further ado, let's go straight into the second part of our conversation. This is an exercise in also decolonizing the Christian faith. As you decenter whiteness, you take it out of, from its pedestal, mm-hmm. and and you place in different voices, our voices. Um, you have a prophetic voice because you uh, smash, <laughs> but you also leave hope, and and you said this already that you can't deconstruct without having a glimpse, a glimmer, a picture of future hope. Mm. Um, otherwise, you're just, you're just destructive. Yes. And you leave everyone facing the abyss. Mm. Yes. What, uh, what can you say about your picture of what is to come? Now, I, I want to use it within the faith church world. Yes. Like, what is the the picture? But man, that, that question can be so much bigger than that, especially yeah. recording this just weeks after the American election mm-hmm. of all the cultural changes and shifts that are still in the midst. So it obviously applies into that context. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I can say a lot. One, the last week in um, the devotional is kind of centered around this reality. It's kind of envisioning the future and what could be. Um, I think the vision that I see um, that sounds very utopian um, and almost silly is the reality of Imago Dei flourishing. Um, To me, when I think of society, I don't necessarily see all Christians living in any, every country. I would, that would be awesome, but I, that's not true, right? Like, you know, there aren't people who believe like me that live here, you know, in various nations of the earth. What I am hoping for in creating is, um, um, a dim picture of what I see in Revelation chapter seven mm-hmm. on the sea of glass as all the different ethnic groups, people groups are there worshiping the lamb. And so diversity of beings, but one 
uh, single focus, right? And so, so then my job is to how much of that can I create here? Um, where colonization has happened is one, I think that they would picture that sea of glass as being all white males. Hmm. And then the job is to create pockets of all white males, right? And so my job uh, in creating uh, environments that people can thrive is I, I'm just creating as close to a picture of people being uplifted in their purpose as possible, where the last are able to become first and where the weakest among us, they have a voice at the table. And so practically that, that touches politics, that touches advocacy work, yeah. that touches the church in the way that church structures happen, mm-hmm. who we, uh, how we phrase theology, how we do spiritual formation, how we do discipleship, well, what we call discipleship. Yeah. Um, I want to touch all of those things as I decolonize our, our faith, you know, um, you're, you're touching the whole thing. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's everything. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what then is the, this, this ethic? I mean, you talk about last being first, the, the embodiment of the Beatitudes, these teachings of Jesus. What does that practically look like in action uh, for the local church? Yeah, I think it has a lot of implications. One, I think both in the church as an organization, and I'll start there, it means when, when this ethic is worked in, when decolonization has happened, when an anti-racism is part of your spiritual being, um, pastors, practically, they don't have an all-white bookcase. That's number one. They don't have one gender bookcase. They don't have, you know, and so in that shapes how they preach the word because they have, they have read stories of all these different people groups, theologians and not theologians, but people of color, disabled people, various sexualities, and they are informed by communing with the Imago Dei and that shapes the preaching, that shapes how they build that church structure, that shapes from the ground up what they call leadership. Mm-hmm. Because they have all these different opinions now informing them. <laughs> and it should feel messy. <laughs> um, because, hey, we want to lift this person. Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I've been reading some books on this from um, Asian brothers and sisters and uh <laughs> and they would go about it in this way, you know? And so, so I think the church structure, having an, an ethic uh, that incorporates a lot of what we're talking about means that the books look different, the quotes look different, uh, the people leading the congregation looks different. Um, there should be a level of mess within the church uh, because you don't have an ethic that, that embraces otherness and everything's clean. I should go to your church and there should be strife. Hmm. If they're not, if it's not, that tells me this ethic isn't being worked on. Well, all churches have strife, whether or not they <laughs> care to bring that to the surface. <laughs> no, that is true. <laughs> and, and then I would say for the individual, I think 
in like manner, they are seeking out the other constantly. They're never comfortable. They, it, their own inner being, it composes them to find people to commune with who aren't echo chambers. They, they have a love for feeling uncomfortable. Mm. So it necessitates, I mean, that's the way I live my life. Like, I don't have a certain type of friend group. You will find every color of the rainbow here, mm. a variety of different thoughts because I have this love for the quote unquote other. And um, when that's worked into the people, then they live differently. Like they, they just live differently. They vote differently um, because their conscious doesn't allow them to vote in a way that doesn't lift up the margins, quote unquote. You, I'm gonna push back. Hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Here I come. Um, the, so you said earlier around um, we were making fun of somebody's bookcase. I think it was. But when we talk about just the thinking of, say, the leaders now, um, I don't have high hopes that uh, a re-education, I think it will take us somewhere, um, a focus around anti-racism, reading broader scope books. Yeah, Those are crucial and part of it. I don't know if that leads to what we were talking about of an embodied shift. It doesn't. What's the missing pieces now? You can throw in all the quotes you want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah it, it, I would say we're probably on the same track. Um, it most definitely doesn't. Yeah. It is the beginning is a stepping stone. I would say if I'm honest from my life's work, most leaders aren't even there. I'm just going to call it straight mm -hmm. up like it is. Mm -hmm. Most mm -hmm. leaders aren't even at that step. Yeah. So then it, it would almost be crazy to me then to think, mm. you know, it's radical revival in here. I mean, it's just <laughs> anti-racism. I mean, they hugging everybody. They look at them, give it money. They, <laughs> no, it's not right. Like <laughs> if they're not well, even social there, media is telling me a story that it is true. Yeah. yeah of, of course. Yeah. Um, social media tells us a lot of things, <laughs> but like, so if most leaders aren't even, you know, when I challenge um, pastors regularly, who are the last five authors you read? What is their race and gender? The majority of people who tell me white male is actually depressing. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. depressing. So I would say that's a stepping stone is like even getting the average, and sometimes I talk to white women and all they've read are white males. We can't even, I mean, we can't even progress in this thing if you don't know that, you, hey, you know, there are other, there are other colors <laughs> out there, you know, like, and I was told in many circles that there weren't really minority theologians and even you know, I'm in seminary now, but uh, I've been in theological circles for a long time. Um, but the thought was there really weren't any. And if there are, they're like the special interest theologies. So they're, they're yeah. not taught African as... African theology. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not taught as orthodoxy. So if there's an Asian <laughs> perspective, that's yeah. cool. That's like a cool, yeah. like Asian... Four world thing. missions. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a missiological understanding of things. And that's cool. Yeah. That's like a... That's an alternative you can take, like when you yeah. want an elective. 
Um, but it's like, it's not normal. Like, it's come not on. Systematic. Yeah. Well, it's not systematic. I mean, it's, it's cute, <laughs> nice. but it's not, I mean, come on. Like no one's taking it home. <laughs> and so like, like, can you even speak German? I know. Like, like come, come on. Like would Martin on. Luther read black liberation theology? No. So, um, so therefore it's irrelevant. So, um, so I think reading is the least abrasive step, but for many people that feels so radical that it, it, it feels like the, the heavens have opened. That's, that's uh, discouraging to me. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I, and and I, we're definitely in different cultural contexts here. And so I don't know how, maybe I'm just, I've social mediated myself into a silo and all I have are a bunch of progressive Christians who are hanging out, acting all faux woke and everything. But, Which but I feel as though the... And I'm, this is what I implore churches that your picture is that Revelation 7, but, but oh my God, that's going to take a level of love thy other, love thy neighbor, love yourself, love the Lord your God. It, it's going to take a layer of relationship that you like, forget about books. Like you can buy a book. Sure. Like you, you, you can't force, although you can try relationship, which is, I think the linchpin that's going to send us down a road into new thinking and, and, mm-hmm. and new presence in community and neighborhood. And, oh man, if you can't even get the books. Yeah. I mean, the books are, I mean, the books to many feel like they've had to cross this chasm, you know, to do it. And, um, hmm. which can't, which can be depressing because in the interim, there are people really affected by your ignorance. Right. So like the longer it takes you like to even read the book, sister, so-and-so brother, so-and-so man, there are black bodies dying in the street. You know, like I would that you were an adult Mm -hmm. in this aspect, but Mm. other things that I would say (laughs) that would be helpful is out of that place of, decentering whiteness, reading various thoughts and realizing how much the white gaze dominates thinking um, across the world, honestly, it will shift you hopefully to realizing, oh my God, there are a lot of other people out here. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. my hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's like step one. It's like, there are a lot of people around here and whiteness and white supremacy chokes out the life of every other people group. And from there, yes, there, there, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There is more. There's you studying history to show yourself approved. There is giving of your finances to the other. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. equitable mm-hmm. relations in that place. Um, I don't want you to just read the book, but in the meantime, support this Patreon homeboy. Because um, <laughs> okay. I want the wealth that you've acquired to mm-hmm. be passed out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the least of these. And not just as a charitable donation for the year. I want it to hurt. I mm. want this ethic because when the ethic is worked in, you should. It hurts you when you give. Like, okay, yeah, I gave two. Yeah, I want you to feel it. Yeah, yeah. I want you to yeah. feel it. And yeah, the yeah. more that you walk in that, mm. it doesn't feel like this big, huge sacrifice. Christ compels me to live this way. I feel now we're now we're breaking our own rule and we're we're centering uh, the the white voice or it's the white just, problem. Here. It's okay. Um, the 
this is the last thing I'll say about it. <laughs> I don't feel as though white churches, white institutions are capable of getting down to the space in Revelation 7 of the final hope, that picture. I don't think they can get there. Um, I, I don't, I'm not God. And I have less hope than, than he, uh, than God. I think that they can do work around anti-racism and conceptualize some response around justice. I don't think that they become, they can become multi-ethnic. I don't think dominant white institutions or even uh, predominantly white churches can switch and become multi-ethnic. I think the strong man of white supremacy is too big in those spaces to accommodate any form of shift. Now, God's grace is bigger than I, but I don't think it can happen. I think we need new. I, no, no. Yeah, you can on. fire back on me on that. Yeah, what I would say is, I would agree largely, I would say they cannot get get there without two things. A radical deconstruction and reconstruction, and mm -hmm. what will be will look totally different. <laughs> um, yeah. And they, they need divine help. Like it, it, and that's where yeah, like, like literally, I... This is the it, only hope. It can't be they went to an anti-racism conference. It can't even yeah. that the, they read Kendi or this fly brother Robert Monson um, yeah. or any yeah, of both. the... Yeah, I mean, yes. No, like... It, no, it, I did all 30 days. I, I know. <laughs> like, no, it, 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 it can't be obtained that way. And my yeah. pushback to a lot of people who are even pushing anti-racism work, multi-ethnic work, especially multi-ethnic churches... Mm. I have a real bone to pick with them often because often it's still led through whiteness. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. meaning, okay, well, who are the predominant people on staff? Okay, well, they're white men, but like, we still want a multi-ethnic church. Okay, like, what songs do y'all really be singing? Well, the sometimes- Hillsong. Hillsong, but on. sometimes there's a black brother on Hillsong, you know, or we sing in <laughs> Spanish sometimes and I'm like, okay, how do y'all do spiritual formation? Well, we meet in a coffee shop once a month. And we call that discipleship. Y'all, this is a white church. <laughs> this is a white, this is a white church. I don't care how many, elders, like I, I, the whole church could be African. Um, it could be Southeast Asian. This is a white church. This is not multi-ethnic yeah. because it's not ground. It's to yeah. your point, I think the strong man, the gravitational pull of white supremacy, if you're not actively combating it, calling it out, it mm. is the true north it is what things go towards Ooh, that's a tweet right there the true north <laughs> it uh, is write that one down <laughs> it like i think people think that if we have black and brown bodies yeah yeah and it will be multi-ethnic no it can still yeah. be the most white supremacist place and that's not just conservative circles my pushback is a oh, lot yeah. of progressive circles yeah. inside and outside of the church can be the most racist places ever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's scarier there because it, it's it's subtle. It's it's racism light, but it's the same same harm. And sometimes it's racism a hundred proof. You know, I've been in places <laughs> that were very about progressive ideals and yeah, yeah. LGBTQ advocacy, yeah. and I'm thinking, okay, well then that yeah. means Looks safe. This yeah. is going to be awesome. But I've yeah. received so much marginalization in that place. Mm. And maybe 
But I'm like, well, they're awesome with LGBTQ issues, which uh-huh. all are racist. You know, white people can be gay. That's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the most racist or oppressive space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever, sure. you know. <laughs> the okay, so let's wrap this then around, and we and we might be like two hours later. Let's <laughs> let's close this up. Because uh, we'll we'll jump around the topic of decolonizing, which we've already touched on now, but maybe some more pragmatic um, um, thoughts around the process or activities around surrounding decolonizing mm-hmm. the faith. Yeah. Um, but let's springboard then from this notion around the ethnic church can embody aspects of white supremacy too. Let's center our our Ooh. Christians of color, our, our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, let's let's center them now and say y'all can be racist too. I mean, I can think of my 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 Asian friends, um, my Asian brothers and sisters who can and and no monolith. Many are embodying now, and I think COVID sort of woke parts of this yeah. uh, anti-Asian racism. Reminded a lot of Asian Christians that they come with terms they got to match terms and conditions too. <laughs> Not in the same way, yeah. Um, not to the same extent, but y'all don't fit. Yeah. Um, but within our churches, there are still aspects, there are still structures of power yes. at play. Race being chief, anti-blackness being chief among them. Mm. And we need to dismantle and challenge our own formation by rooting out formation of white supremacy, formation of whiteness, all those aspects to reimagine better because we're we're just repeating. Like, give me a break. You go to any Chinese evangelical church and not singing Chinese songs or songs that they wrote. They're singing the same what Bethel Hill song where there's one Asian sister in the mix. Yeah, yeah. It's who, true. Or do they? Yeah. I don't know if Bethel even has an Asian person, but I, anyway, so. I digress. Um, maybe uh, instrumentalist, but uh, yeah, piano. Yeah, piano. of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a mischaracterization at all. Yeah. All Asians play piano. Right. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that. The yeah. work of, 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 of Christians of color around decolonizing and decentering whiteness in the faith. Man, you got to do it. Yeah. I think um, something uh, my boss, Timmy Spencer, um, has asked us as we create content, she, she's asked us before, what ways are you prone to cowing to uh, white supremacy? And how does that show up in your life? And you always got to ask that. Yeah. And, and there are specific ways, you know, some of it even, you know, so you're centering people of color, some of the ways that we cow to it, even uh, as we create theological content, is we have metrics that have been given to us by white supremacy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in that way, we Mm -hmm. participate with white supremacy. I'll give a perfect example. So I have one podcast uh, called The Hive. Mm -hmm. Shout out to that. And then I have a new podcast venture called Three Black Men. Um, Yeah, I just saw that tweet today. Hey, awesome. And um, in both of those, we regularly go through times of apathy, oppression, depression, and we feel that we should be, quote unquote, more theologically deep. And when we kind of start feeling that, we start asking the question, what does that mean? And 
10 times out of 10, we realize we mean we want to be like white theologians. Mm -hmm. We want to sound like them. We Mm -hmm. don't want to Mm -hmm. have our characteristics. We, Mm -hmm. I want people to regarded. Yeah. I want to be regarded, (laughs) but as um, that, when you think of Robert Monson, you would think of my work, my things oh, are yeah. on par with N.T. Wright or yeah, yeah. with John Stott. And mm-hmm. regularly we have to resist that metric because mm-hmm. that isn't from Cod. Oh, come on. A- at all. Like, I don't want that podcast to sound like no. Peter Enns or any of these other people that even that I respect because I'm not them. I don't want to recreate their podcast. Their podcasts largely are for white people. So I, so when I do content, when I write um, articles, when I write theological essays, it is coming through the lens of the way that God shaped and desi- designed me. And I had to be okay with that, but I'm regularly not okay with that. So mm-hmm. to your point is I have to dismantle wh- who's speaking yeah. in your ear right now. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah, like where did that come yeah, from? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I haven't used enough big words. Who's saying yeah, yeah. that? Like, <laughs> but you have been formed to think that way. That's yes. the, it's the it's the check and balance to be like, oh my gosh, even within my skin, I am constantly trying to reorient myself into a different way. Yes. And that's from everything from established content to um, my tweets. It's like, oh, man, I'm talking about black things too much. Like, that's not really deep. Wait, no, I'm not. Who who am I impressing? And Mm. inevitably, if I were to answer that, it's like it's a sea of white men is who I'm trying to impress. And so, yes, we can cooperate with white supremacy even in that way. Yeah. We can think that we, you know, regularly, I sound dumb. Well, compared to who? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang it, John Stott again. Like, <laughs> I, that dude's dead, you know? I'm like, <laughs> you know what will solve this? I better go to seminary. Exactly. <laughs> and then sit in classrooms, and then you always study white men. And then that makes you, that further ingrains it in you. So yeah. it's why I chose uh, to make up my own MA in seminary, and I'm studying the intersection of black liberation theology and, and black womanist thought, uh-huh. and okay. uh, yeah. with some with some tie-ins with indigenous thought, and so I didn't. So that was my way of decolonizing: is, hey, I don't yeah. actually want to study yeah. what y'all are studying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, go- uh, what university? Uh, United Theological. Um, and so it's like, I want my own way. I want to create my own way that centers minorities, uh, practically. So, so yeah, I, I think we can cooperate that with that. We can put people on pedestals in the same way that white supremacy has taught us. Yeah. Um, we church is notorious for this. Yes, exactly. Ethnic churches are notorious for this because, um, and I don't know if it's a generational thing, but you want dad's approval. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you want to get up there. You're going to keep climbing the ladder because you want dad's approval. Yeah. And that's very hierarchical and colonizer like. And yeah. we don't have it's to patriarchy. do that. We yeah. don't have to do that. And we, within that white supremacy, it, it, um, it taught us how to view women in their place 
mm-hmm. and in the world, mm-hmm. we can push back on that in creating a system that puts women at the tip of the spear. Um, because they're better communicators anyway. They're better thinkers mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I think there are many ways uh, to, to your point of ethnic churches, we can be just as full of, of white supremacy as anyone else, but we can evolve and change. Um, in, in many ways, I think we can take the reins and offer leadership in this aspect. I still have my doubts in terms of whether any institutional church has the capacity to embody these types of changes. I think, I still think it's coming yeah. from a space where if we want to reimagine these aspects of, of what does this decolonized faith look like, that we need to create new spaces. We do. And I want to say something to that. I think 2020 sh- should mm, be a testament to what you're saying. Absolutely, yes. And I it's feel in many ways, yeah. reality yeah, reality has shown mm-hmm. us, hey, these old ways don't work. So even just speaking as a, a, a Black Christian, many of the things that we've been warning um, conservative white spaces about literally came true this year. Um, so we've been trying to tell them, hey, we need a, an embodied theology. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need community that yeah. is deeper than Sunday morning. Hey, we need to address systemic uh, issues of oppression. And do you know largely what many of us have been met with over the years? Ah, uh, that's not important. Uh, that's a social justice yeah, yeah, yeah. gospel. It's not really important. The the community's fine here. So what have we seen here? We have a pandemic that swept the globe mm-hmm. and that's killed physical bodies. So Sunday morning preaching where you're just talking to the spirit and not the body, it's gone. It, it literally has too. no weight anymore. I think that because, because the, the yeah, <laughs> talking to the spirit, that's generous. I think that's talking to the mind and it's totally yeah. disembodied. Totally disembodied. But what do we have here? We have millions mm-hmm. around the world that have died, that mm-hmm. are reeling from economic collapse in fear and anxiety. So is your is your talking to the mind working this year? Yeah, As many are having mental it. breakdowns. I mean, here, like you can't even, you, you can't gather anymore. You, y'all trying to do the same thing through your broke ass laptop speakers, but that ain't working either. <laughs> exactly. And then, but then we... The, the mm. margins have been saying, hey, okay. this is not community. Yes. yes. This is not, this doesn't feel like yeah. anything. But what happened? Mm. This pandemic swept through. Can mm. we meet on Sunday morning? No. And you're right. They're still doing they the no same answer. things. They're like, why aren't people, why aren't people listening to the web stream? Because they found out, yes, yo, yes, that really yes, wasn't yes. That's the title of your next book. This ain't community. Like, come on. Truly, I have thoughts on that. Um, um, and then within that, mm-hmm. if you would have listened to the testimony of minority people over any of the past decade in the research, the work, the ethnic lenses, they could have taught you and shaped a wineskin a community that could have withstood COVID, but you didn't. And now many churches are broken. But I almost, I'm iconoclastic in that sense is this needs to yeah. be busted up for the glory of God. Um, and I don't say that um, with an attitude. I mean mm-hmm. that it's just true. And so then we told you about systemic 
oppression and you've mm. gaslit us to death with yeah. marxism you liberalism read Marx, this isn't jesus okay. <laughs> yeah yeah no y'all do not know karl marx <laughs> and i refuse to read them too and like i don't have time for that because i'm about my people and so now this country started shaking under riots and looting and people started just tearing down literal statues of repression and people are clutching their pearls and what are we going to say in the church to this well minorities have been trying to tell y'all for a while you could have had all the answers by you now you could have had the answers but, but there wouldn't it. have been a response i don't think again that, that that would have challenged ingrained realities of the mm -hmm. way things are and i just don't give up my pearls yes. that easy <laughs> true but then 2020 it's okay I, I, i'm not going to so try to reimagine I mean, <laughs> so say that you're right the capacity of, of of the the marginalized person at least has the vision for something better whereas i'm just yeah. going to try to go back let's all the voices who say when when this, this vaccine comes oh it, it's weeks away months away it's coming so we can go back to normal and i'm like Whew. And yeah, like, yes. <laughs> normal was working out for some people, right? And it was a hot mess for black and brown bodies. Like, yeah, and disabled bodies. I suffer from a medical condition and I regularly yeah. could not go to church anyway. Um, and so, do have I ever been in a church that has space for my medical mm. condition? No. Do I have a church that answers the cry that I have for community um, because I can't gather all the time on Sunday? Yeah, no, yeah. not at all. So now that y'all have been forced to be in the place of what oh, chronically uh -huh. ill people have to discover, uh -huh. you're like, I feel lonely. Okay. Chronically mm -hmm. ill people could have taught y'all, mm -hmm. but you didn't listen. And you didn't have, to your point about the Hellenistic Jews, you didn't have people mm -hmm. in place to recognize that. So chronically ill yeah. people are like, welcome yeah. to Bedside Baptist. Yeah. It is lonely. It sucks here. <laughs> and so you're running to yeah. go back to church as yeah. normal and chronically ill people will be like. But this is the thing, like, Robert, you, you're, you're crying out. So you're filling the gap with the work and the vocational work, right? And then when it comes to local church community, there's still a gap. And... So, oh, yes. and this is hard, right? Now, this is hard and the answer is too easy because it's hard. But we need to create our own spaces of community, of church community specifically, mm -hmm. that starts to imperfectly mm -hmm. embody a new way. I, I, no, I, I think that's beautifully said. I think... What's stopping? <sighs> Ego. Why not? Ego and and it would require the divesting of power, um, and assuming that it's connected into the the existing structure. Yes, yes, of course. Um, but if it were to come out of that, still it would be ego because people would have to give up a lot to for me to form community and connection with you. Brother, that presupposes that I have to lay down some things to do that. It's a risk. It's it a is risk. a risk involved. Yeah. Yeah. If I will do that, we can build beautiful stuff together. We can mm -hmm. build mm -hmm. 
<laughs> the reason why we don't isn't only white supremacy. Some of it is just our pride and and the fact that we don't want to risk mm. vulnerability with one another. Um, but yes, I, I agree with you. And we don't want to get hurt again, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is is the ego piece of, of reconnection into the formation of white supremacy is that we don't necessarily, it, it's also hard, creating communities hard, uh, creating yeah. church communities hard to do. Um, so it, not to be cavalier that, oh, anybody could do it. Um, you, you need a family to, to make the attempt. We have to be okay with small. And I know that there yes. was this house church movements and, and so forth like that, but I I th- consider the the pursuit of just the small communities that they count as church. And we have this notion that it only counts if it's in building, or it only counts if it's a Sunday, or it only counts if it's a big service, it only counts that there is community worth having, you know, the stuff that they we're missing right now in COVID, worth having that counts as the full expression of Christ's body. True. And I I think part of, I'll say this to like the way forward. I think part of it is, can you reimagine using the eyes of your imagination community through different eyes? And if you Mm -hmm. can't, that's part of the problem because Mm -hmm. even the house church movement Mm -hmm. was flawed in I think that it was still using the tools of white supremacy, right? Mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. these systematic ways we're going to make community happen. And so even in the heart of people with the best of intentions, it was it was still this way to colonize. And again, community is messy. A diverse community is messy, like messier. But we we're starting to see the seeds to your point in COVID because I feel connected now to people more than I have in certain ways. Mm. I've started to build community with people on Twitter. Um, And it was weird, it was risky. It was, hey, we're in the house. I'm not seeing anybody. Hey, you who I like your tweets all the time. um, Hey, could we uh, do a Zoom next week just to talk? And it was vulnerable and it was weird, but we're all, we were all swimming in weirdness. So it was like, now some of my closest friends now <laughs> have been built through pandemic and they're not, they don't even live here. And mm. I had to start to build it, but this isn't on any church's org chart now, right? Like um, yeah, some of these that. people have times I've needed something they've given me more money more love more attention than people who live in my own city yeah. and including at my own church so um but these people are like they've actually shown real love but it doesn't this isn't a church this isn't a ha- like i don't know what this is called but to me this feels more communal to me we have to count those especially like the online stuff hey we I don't know who was saying it or who formed it, but that doesn't count as community. You know, that's you know? well, online church, online church, man, doesn't. And I can understand the embodied presence around aspects like the Eucharist, the touch, the feel. You, you, you do miss that, but this is a renewed sense of community. Yes, I'm working through that. Truly, online church, please, <laughs> please. Hallelujah. For me, I am 
profoundly hopeful, not in mm-hmm. any structures that I see currently, mm-hmm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. any pastors that I see currently. What mm-hmm. I am hopeful for is 2020 has provided um, this backdrop of breaking the back of everything that we have trusted in. And I think it does give us the opportunity, emphasis opportunity to move forward. And, you know, yes, I wrote this content and yes, I do advocacy work, but it has, it's been the wheat and the tears for me. We've seen people become more and more patriarchal, misogynist, racist since 2020 started. And we've also seen people, the blinders come off. And so I don't know what that bodes for the future, but 2020 provided like, you can't, hey, are you really racist? Yeah, I'm definitely racist. Okay, well, cool. We weren't sure because you seem kind of cool. You're definitely (laughs) a flaming (laughs) racist. And that's great to know, right? Like, you are misogynist. We were thought it because some of your illusions. Oh, you hate women. Okay, great. <laughs> like, I know there. It, but within that, we've seen people of all different colors coming out of those toxic forms of being. We see even our white brothers and sisters like, okay, I wasn't down on this team, but yeah. I'm uncomfortable. I'm in it, so I guess, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm in it. I'm, I'm feeling comfortable and I want to change. A lot so of trouble to come out. I know, right? So I'm, I'm, I am hopeful in the sense of hmm. we can't go back to normal. Some people have tasted the other side and they're like, oh, no, I'm not going back to church if it means that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so that number is relatively small compared to what I would desire it to be. But I'm hopeful about that small number. I think that number has already been declining and COVID has merely accelerated the rapid pace of church decline mm-hmm. um, for the people who do and have done exactly what you said. But I think the, the more profound aspect of why churches has been decimated is because the only thing holding the consumer Christian together was that consumptive Sunday experience. And when you lost that, we realized we're actually okay. Now, some people miss the singing. Some people miss the praying. But we realize we can do without, and we don't really need to go back. Yeah. I, I, brother... I agree. Amen. Yeah. Maybe to wrap up, would you share an excerpt from your devotional and uh, just read it as the outro for us? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. So um, I'm going to read this quote by Sonia Sotomayor. um, And she's a justice here. Um, in America. And she says, my hope is that I will take the good from my experiences and extrapolate them further into areas with which I am unfamiliar. I simply do not know exactly what that difference will be in my judging. Uh, 
but I accept there will be some based on my gender and my Latina heritage. And that's day seven uh, of one of the weeks. And so then I wrote the beauty of Latinx uh, and Caribbean immigrants in America is undeniable. They are hardworking. They are funny. They are represented in seemingly every job sector. They have hopes, dreams, and ambitions, and they are musical. They bring a flavor to America that makes us all richer because we get to interact with them. Today, the war over their image remains. Gross stereotypes of their work ethic infuse our media and various other platforms. Right now, as I write this publication, there are many immigrants held in adverse conditions at our borders. How can we have an ethic of life that doesn't include these beautiful ones? How can we build the best country without their unique perspectives helping to shape our corporations, government, etc.? These beautiful ones are created in the image of God. Thank you.